Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, Johnny Junta, and we are joined by a very, very special guest. Special guest. He is a walking, talking, pitching ninja video. He has some of the nastiest stuff these four eyes have ever seen. It is my pleasure to welcome Justin Lawrence to the Officially Unofficial podcast. What is up, big dog? How are you doing, brother? Good, man. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on, and, and I'll give you a background on why I reached out to get you on. I was I was watching the game against, I believe, the Diamondbacks. I think that's where you made your debut, and I saw what you were doing on this mound, and I was like, this guy needs to come on the pod. Just that, just everything you got going here, you're throwing 101. It's just bananas to me. But before we go into this Major League debut, I got to ask, because I believe I, I saw it on Twitter, you changed your arm slot, and then you just all of a sudden started throwing 101. Give us the background on that. Yeah, so my freshman year, I was at uh, Jacksonville University. I was a two-way guy. I wasn't playing a ton. Um, we get through, like, halfway through the season, not getting a bunch of playing time. And I'm like, all right, like, something's got to give, dude. Like, I don't, I got to do something, you know, to get on that field. And I was supposed to be, you know, warming, in, warming up to come into a game. And I, like, kind of mess around and drop down my slot. And I was like, huh, this thing's got some movement to it. I can control it, you know, pretty easily. So the next day I told the, the pitching coach, I was like, hey, like, I want to show you something. Like, I dropped down my slot. I think this could work. He fell in love with it. Like, I got a ton more playing time the rest of that year. And then um, after that year, I decided I wanted to transfer out uh, and go junior college. Still wanted to hit. You know, I'm thinking, like, I, I, I thought I still had juice, you know. So <laughs> I transferred out, went to Daytona, and that was, like, the first time I'd probably went through like a legit, you know, like working out and stuff like that, like an actual like fall strengthening program. And we were like, we, we started our fall ball games. And the first one, I'm like 86, 89. Then the next week I touched 90. The next week, like hit 91. The next week, 93. And then by the end of our, of our fall ball games, I'd hit 96. And that was the hardest I had thrown that fall, that season, everything. So I get drafted and then kind of the same thing, you know, like I go into the off season with that same mentality. Like I'm just going to keep getting stronger. Like that's really the only correlation that I can make was like the stronger I was getting, the harder I was throwing. And then each spring training from there on just kind of kept ticking up. Well, I couldn't even imagine you being a Juco guy like me, just throwing 96 casually. Like, were you just embarrassing kids like just putting kids in your back pocket like you're throwing 96 in juco from a weird arm slot i would have went i'm not over exaggerating over 250 against you i couldn't even imagine <laughs> going up in the box against you i mean so were you just absolutely dicing i mean yeah there was definitely times where it was pretty easy um <laughs> but also i mean juco florida ball is like like yeah. D1, like Northeast baseball, you know what I mean? Like there's some, sure. there's some pretty good talent. Like I think uh, Chipola, I think all nine of their starting guys got drafted that year. Wow. So there's definitely some, some teams you play, but then, you know, there'll be some teams that like fly down from, you know, up North and it's, it's like playing like a high school. school. <laughs> what was your Juco experience like, man? I mean, cause obviously like you, I think you mentioned, right. You went to a D1 earlier prior and then you transferred to a Juco did you kind of get that like Juco treatment where you're just grinding on bus rides? Like I was eating shitty meals, shitty hotels with roaches and shit. Like what was your Juco experience like in Florida? It was, it was definitely a grind. I mean, I went to a small D one, so it wasn't like, you know, I didn't go like 
SEC to JUCO. Yeah. You know, I went to a small D1. So it was kind of similar, but I mean, it, it was Daytona, though. It's like you're a, you know, you're a 20 year old kid living in Daytona while also going to college and playing baseball. So it was pretty fun, honestly, like kind of having, you know, the beach right there and all that stuff. But I mean, as far as the season went, you know, it's just that same Juco grind that a lot of guys know about. Okay. Well, I mean, so when you changed that arm slot and you started like throwing, gaining five miles per hour a week, it sounds like did, is that when you kind of realized like, man, I have a really good shot here to get drafted because I'm out here throwing 96 from this crazy arm slot and the hitters are just swinging and missing. Is that when you kind of realize like I'm nasty at the game of baseball now? Uh, I wouldn't say it was me that said that it was my coach. He, he sat me down in the office and he's like, this is probably when I was like, I was probably like 93, 94. And my coach sat me down. He's like, Hey, like, I know you transferred here to be a two way guy, but your name's kind of getting out there. There's some scouts want to come see you throw and stuff like that. Like, let's, let's put the bat up and let's go all in on this pitching thing. And I was like, and that, at that point I was kind of like, all right, this guy's talking, you know, like all I wanted to do when I went to that junior college was like, hopefully get the opportunity to, to get another scholarship somewhere. You know what I mean? And then he told me like, no, like scouts want to come see you. And that, like, that was when I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is, this is kind of getting legit now. So kind of that was, that was a moment for me where I was like, all right, I'll, you know, I was a pretty good hitter in high school, all that stuff. But that was the moment where I was like, all right, I'm good with it. Like, did you call your parents when your coach told you that? And you're like, I know you got, like, did, did your parents have like an understanding on like the draft process and all that kind of stuff? Or were they just kind of like, whoa, wait a second. You, you have a potential to be like a pro baseball player. Were they surprised? Um, it was definitely a, a newer concept for, for both of us. Cause obviously we had never been through that before. So sure. it was definitely that learning curve. But like once my dad, you know, saw like there's that possibility he was like he's all in on like almost just like taught himself everything that you know about that process and what to go through and all that okay. they were stoked though. I mean my, my dad he was like as soon as I told because I was like I said in high school like I was a decent hitter like I got I got a couple letters I think from the A's and the Red Sox as like a position player in college so there's there was already a little bit of that uh you know kind of that scout stuff going on in high school but then you know, pitching with it being pitching and the velo being there. That's when we were kind of like, all right, this could be a legit thing. Like being a two-way guy right now, for instance, is part of you saying like, I hope a game goes into like the 14th inning and I have to pinch it. Like, can you still swing it? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's all I ever think about when I'm watching the game. <laughs> I literally, I when like a position player. Cause my, my second game that I pitched at Chase Field, yeah, I got done with my inning and they did the double switch or whatever to get me out of the game to put in a hitter. And the D-backs brought in a position player. And he was throwing 53 miles an hour or something, <laughs> just floating the ball up there. And I'm like, this would have been the perfect opportunity to just get up there and absolutely swing out of my shoes. But, Dude. yeah, no, I'm, I will be waiting on that moment. Dude, you got to vouch for that, man. You got to keep, like, if I'm you, this is what I'm doing. What I used to kind of do because I hit below my body weight in Juco, so I had to kind of show the coach I can kind of swing. So what I would do is is every time the coach or the manager is kind of, like, outside of the dugout, I would just make sure I'm taking BP. Like, you just got to emphasize it to the coach. Like, you got to always be in the box when your coach is there. So in his head, he's like, wait a second. Like, can he swing it? So just start launching balls in front of the skip, and then you're, you're chilling, man. Yeah, yeah. That, uh... That'll be the day I'll probably end up on like pitching, pitching ninja for 
swinging and falling over something on the swing set or you will i mean you got to swing out of your ass and do you see what that you know what guy's doing on the braves man isn't that insane yeah that's nuts (laughs) back to back was it first time in franchise history back to back home runs as a pitcher it's crazy and apparently in like uh spring training he um he couldn't even hit soft toss. Did you hear that story? He couldn't really? even hit soft toss no. in, spring, in, in spring training. And he's just That's launching wild. grand slams now. Yeah. That's crazy. Who's one guy on the Rockies you think right now is like the best like pitcher that could hit? Uh, definitely Herman. Yeah. And the guy won a silver slugger a couple of years, like yeah, he, he, I think yeah. in 18. But I mean, he just gets up there and it just, he just finds a way to put the bat on the ball. So you're like a vouch. So you vouch for pitchers being able to hit. Like you hate that DH rule. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, it's just like pure selfishness. Like I would do it because <laughs> I want to make sure like I get that chance to hit at some point. No, I mean, that's, I, I respect the hell out of that because if I was a pitcher, I'd be kind of pissed that someone was hitting in my spot. So I, that's just the dog. That's like, I, I respect the hell out of it, but I wanted to go into, I wanted to go into your minor league career a little bit. So in your minor league career, were, were coaches trying to switch up that throwing mechanics or were you just kind of staying with it and just keep, you kept grinding and you just kept carving with that, with the, that motion you have? Yeah, they, it was almost like they hadn't really seen it before. So it was like, we're just going to kind of let this guy kind of figure it out. You know, like, obviously they, they had that help. You know, there, there was a year that they flew out. Um, they flew out an old sidearm guy that used to pitch for the Rockies. And uh, he came out and helped me out and stuff like that. But for the most part, just kind of, kind of getting after myself. And it's just, it's hard to make some correlations mechanically, you know, with a guy that throws over the top and, you know, a guy that throws sidearm. Like, yeah, we're still both throwing a baseball, but it's it's different. You know, like the movements are different and all that. Yeah. And talk about like the wear and tear that it has on your arm, because when you're throwing like that, you're throwing one Oh one. Does your arm ache after you throw? Cause you're like, it's insane to me that you just throw one Oh one, like from, from that angle. Do you, are you a guy that's like icing up heat, heat pot, ice pot, like, or, or is your arm a rubber band? Um, I've had a couple injuries I've had to deal with during, you know, coming up through the minors, but it was always just like kind of one thing, like one little nag that was there for, you know, a couple weeks or whatever was gone. You know, it's not like a full year battle where I'm like, just trying to feel okay enough to throw, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would say after my, after my debut, I was pretty sore. And it's like, for me, I think it's just, like I, you know, the eight out of ten fastballs, or way eight out of nine, what I don't know what the stat was, was like they were over a hundred. Like, I've never been, I've never consistently thrown the ball that hard. So I think my body was just like, all right, what did we just go through? You know, that's dude. Because when you're pitching, man, in a big league stadium, because obviously you made your debut this year, do you kind of feel that like? your arm kind of just feels a little bit more loose. Like you're just ready to go that adrenaline's there and you're just pumping. I mean, like you said, you're throwing consistently over a hundred. So, and you weren't up previously. So is your body just like, all right, this shit's go time. Now I'm pitching a big league stadium. I'm flying private jets. I'm having these nice ass meals. Like does your body just turn itself on specifically when you're pitching in a big league game? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Like I was, I mean, that, that adrenaline, it kicks in. And you're just kind of, you're just in go mode, you know, like it don't matter how you felt during throwing program that day, like how you're, how you felt even just sitting in the bullpen. Like once you get out there, it's like, I don't, I don't feel anything. Like I'm just ready to go. 
Describe to me the adrenaline. Like on a scale of one to I just shotgunned like two Red Bulls and I have a dip in and I just ripped smelling salts. Like where is it? Like one to ten. Where where would you say that adrenaline is when you're walking out of that bullpen and you're on the bump at a big league stadium? I mean, the pre-workout, the Red Bulls, like all that, like you just you pile all that into like a little sippy cup and <laughs> you shotgun it like right before stepping on the mound like that. Just like the heart rate's just going like Honestly, like I feel like I could not throw a warm up pitch, not do anything, go straight out on the mound, and like it, the result wouldn't like I would still throw it hard, just purely off of a drill. I love that. Are you a guy that needs that stuff pregame? Are you ripping? Because I'm an advocate for smelling salt. So, are you a smelling salt guy in the pen? Uh, I do every once in a while. It's not like live or die by it, but I'll sip on a, I'll just kind of sip on some pre workout, uh, kind of leading up to when I think I'm going to come in. Okay. So you're, I, okay. I was, I, I mean, the pre-workout thing's electric because when we were, when I was at school, we used to snort pre-workout just to get ourselves going a little bit. What's the craziest thing that you've seen in like minor leagues or just in your playing career of guys doing pregame? Um, oh, there's one recently though. Uh, Gilbert, he debuted with us and he was telling us at alt site that they were doing um, bullpen deadlifts. <laughs> Like, yeah, like they're getting these, they're wrapping these bands up and they're doing these like modified deadlifts and then getting on the mounting and, and throwing and getting loose. <laughs> and he told me that the other day and I was like, no way they're actually deadlifting in the bullpen before they go in the game. That's incredible. That's, I love it. I'm, does part of you kind of miss minor league baseball, just like the grind, the bus rides, all that kind of stuff? Because you're living the dream now, man. You're on private jets. You're probably in like a penthouse right now in St. Louis. I mean, what, what do you just part of you miss a little bit of the grind? Uh, I would say not because I'm here, like in the big leagues, I'd say like, I miss it because I wasn't at the alt site last year and the whole first month of, you know, the big league season, we were just doing alt site stuff. So like actually being in like a minor league team, minor league, whatever, like hasn't happened since 2019 for me. So I, I'd say I'd miss it for that reason, but obviously like I'm, I'm, I'm good here. You know? Yeah, I know. I, just, I, don't, I don't have to, you know, <laughs> I got to relive it. You're, yeah, you're, you're staying up there. I respect it. But and, and I, the next thing I want to bring up is because we're a minor league pod, and I always ask this to all my guests that have been through the ringer like you have. What's your funniest minor league story? But, but I'll let you think about that, though. But what's the most fucked minor league town you've ever visited or, like, the shittiest town of all time uh, throughout your minor league career? Beloit, Wisconsin, perhaps? Like, anything else like that? Um, Honestly, one that was – that was pretty tough. Was uh Fresno Triple A, Fresno in like, yeah, and it was uh, I mean, it, you could walk to the stadium, but it was just, I mean, it like it smelled like pee on every corner. Like <laughs> it was just, like, it was just, it was a tough walk. Like it was convenient because you could walk, but it was, it was brutal. Yeah, and we no, stayed they're... in a, uh, we stayed in a haunted hotel in Low A one time. Like they told us, like don't go to the 17th floor, like stay off that floor. Like, <laughs> legitimately haunted hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Did guys go on it? I don't think so. They, they didn't want none of that, none of that, <laughs> that juju. So, okay. So let's go into that. I mean, what's your most fucked minor league story? I mean, we've had, I always talk about this just to give you examples, but we've had stories of like fans climbing foul poles or light poles with machetes in their hands. We've had fans threaten to kill you and wait for you at the bus post game. What's your most fucked minor league story of all time? And I wouldn't, 
that's a that's a good one um and i've been through so many so many like minor league games i'd say like one of my like first experiences of like kind of realizing how crazy people are was uh my first year in low way when uh we had when b-rod was on the team brendan rogers yeah and i mean you'd have thought we had the president on the bus <laughs> went to we were playing in hagerstown yeah you know like we walk out out of the clubhouse and there's you know the crazy autograph people like just rushing b-rod and like everybody makes like a wall gets him on the bus we're like okay good like we're clear we made it let's get to the hotel hotel's like 15 minutes away okay we're look as we're driving we look behind and there's just a trail of cars following the team bus oh my god and then we get to the hotel we like swung around back drop b-rod off came back to the front and then the rest of the team got off the, uh, got off the bus and there's 60 people there waiting for B-Rod to get off this bus to get his autograph and all that. Like we had already dropped him off at the back of the hotel. Oh my. So you're telling me like, cause I always wonder this. We've had a couple first rounders on the show, humble brag, whatever, but I have to bring this up. Like when you're playing with first round guys like that, that just got drafted, that they're all over MLB network or the top prospect in the system. Is it like, do you feel bad for these guys? Like the shit they have to go through, like with autograph seekers and all this shit. I mean, I, and that, at that moment, I was like, that's got to kind of suck. Cause I can't imagine, you know, like every other aspect of his life, like his social media and all that stuff, like just getting hounded constantly. I mean, the kid was 19 years old and like fresh out of high school and all this stuff. And now he's like, got to deal with basically being a celebrity by a bunch of random people in Hagerstown. Do you hate autograph seekers? Are you are you are you are you a guy that just are, you're not a big fan of them? Because we have guys on the show that literally tell stories where they'll pull up with like fifty of your cards and it's just like sign all this shit and you know they're gonna sell it. Yeah, um, it don't bother me too bad. I was never you know never much of a prospect coming up or anything like that. Um, so if somebody did ask, it was always like here's a card or two. Yeah, maybe in the fall league, you know, there's some of those guys that had like the page full, but. Um, I think it was Dalton Varsho. He told me, he's like, yeah, like if something, he's like, my agent told me if someone comes up to you and they have two pages worth of cards, like he said, just sign one or two of them and that's it. Because obviously they're just trying to make money off you. He's like, but if someone just comes up with a couple, like that's probably, you know, just collecting it for themselves. I mean, that's kind of cool though. I, I, I find that I also, although I hate those guys, like I find it kind of sick that there's people out there that are selling something that I signed. Like, is that, yeah, I mean, you got to respect their grind, you know, yeah. like they're showing up to the field and they're, they're grinding for three hours before they're grinding after the game. They may, may not even get an autograph, you know, but they're just kind of, but they, you know, they get them from everybody. They get them from the top prospects, like just hoping that they have that like diamond in the rough sign card. For sure. I'm, I'm going to look this up right now. I'm going to see what a Justin Lawrence autograph. Oh, autograph hat Justin Lawrence, $60 on eBay. All right, that'll play. That'll play for sure. Right. But you share a name, actually. I forgot to mention this. You share a name with a UFC fighter. Do you know that? Yeah, I do. How many times do you, does that get brought up to you? This is actually the first. The only time I ever notice it is when I, I'm, like, Googling my name or something. I'm but doing yeah, the Jordan strut. That's why we're yeah. different. I'm doing the Jordan yeah. strut. That's why we're different. I mean, are, are you a UFC guy? Like, do you watch, do you like UFC or what's your sports you like to watch? Um, I, I'll watch UFC, you know, if it's a good card or something like that, but like, I'm not a guy that's, that's watching it, you know, every, every time it comes on or anything like that. 
big Jaguars fan, man. I'm I'm stoked for this year. Oh, your cousin. We're gonna call him your cousin. Your cousin. Yeah, sorry. Are you excited? I, okay. Part of me thinks I, I could be wrong on this. I might get roasted for this. I don't know if Justin Lawrence or Trevor Lawrence, sorry, is worth as much hype as he's getting. I know he won a I know he won a college football championship when he was a freshman. Do you think that he is worth as much hype as he is getting right now? Like he's the next coming of Christ? You know, I, I'm going to say yes, just because, like, he came in his freshman year and, like, it was it was elite right away. You know what For I mean? Sure. Like, he, he showed up and kind of like Winston, when uh, Jameis Winston came up with FSU, like, he was came in as a freshman and was lights out. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't a guy that shot up the draft boards, you know, two weeks before the draft or something like that. You know what I mean? So I definitely think he's definitely got some big shoes to fill. I think the only problem with uh, – small market team like Jacksonville is like, they're going to want to, they're going to expect like, we need to win the Super Bowl next year. Like we need to win 14, four, 14, 15 games, or they're going to call them a bust. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like that they're not going to realize like, all right, we got to kind of, you know, grind for a couple of years before we get to that winning record, you know? And I'm a Michigan guy. So I, I despise your fucking head coach, but are you a big fan of the urban Meyer signing? I think, in the position that the Jaguars are in right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it'll, it'll work out. He's got some good pieces. I mean, he's doing some urban Meyer things by, you know, trying to sign Tebow and all that stuff. But, <laughs> Tebow. I, yeah. The Tebow, they, he, li- he lives two doors down from urban Meyer and conveniently enough, he's, he's got a, a, a tryout with the Jaguars <laughs> like, all of a sudden. That's insane. I mean, I, 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 I heard this on part of my take. I could just, and they mentioned that Tebow was just running up across Urban Meyer's front lawn, just with his shirt off, looking yoked to just make Urban Meyer be like, you know what? Maybe he can play tight end. That's what Tim, Tim Tebow is doing. Are you a fan of the Tim Tebow uh, tight end? Um, I, I mean, we don't even have a tight end. So yeah, <laughs> we're, uh, we're, I'd say we're in the market for a tight end and, I, again same thing i mean small market team you saw what he did in minor league baseball yeah like you got these little cities packing out to come see For him sure. play i remember it was uh oh, somewhere in low a and it was his first year i mean st we lucy like i think a, i think st lucy is yeah that right yeah no it was poor st lucy is i think their short season Oh, okay. I, I it's no somewhere idea. in the Eastern League in, in the Carolinas. Um, and he came in. We're there for like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series. And it was just like jam-packed the entire time. Holy shit. Like all for one, dude. So, like, I mean, between him and Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, like for a small market team like the Jags, like it's got to work, you know? What What is he lifetime against you? Did Tebow go up in the box against uh, Jay Lawrence or what? Uh, nope. He was the closest I got. He was on deck damn that year yeah he was on deck and that was that was the closest i got to that breaks my heart but you also played in boise and boise kind of kind of got roasted on this podcast by a couple of guests with the town what was your time in boise like was it a grind uh i mean yeah it was a grind but it wasn't there wasn't nothing to do obviously like you're in boise you're driving to the field and there's just potato fields on both sides of you but um and his stadium was fine. Like it, they, they got good fans and all that stuff. And being a short season team, everybody had host family. So 
Like they they made it work. It wasn't for the sure. worst. No, for sure. But I, I like I'm looking at your stats here. And at the start of your career, obviously, I think yeah, you were kind of struggling a little bit, and then you just started carving. I mean, you after your first, I believe it was your first two years. You went in and just had a 2-2 ERA, 1-6-5 ERA, 2-6-5 ERA, 3-3-8 ERA. What did you change after that 2015 season to just kind of just turn it on and just put up like literally crooked numbers on the uh, – like just absolutely carve? Yeah. Um, when I – so I had the tough year my, when I first got drafted. Yeah. Then I went to spring training, stoned a little bit harder, made the, made the low A team out of spring – and then just kind of pitch, you know, like real timid or whatever for that half season. And I got sent down, sent back to Boise. And like kind of that moment, like I told myself, I was like, all right, like pitching timid and nervous for half a season obviously didn't work. Like, let's just go after it. Let's just like be a dog on the mound, let it eat every pitch. And that was kind of like, like getting sent down. Obviously nobody wants to get sent down, but it was kind of like that turning moment of like, that what that's what helped me figure out what kind of pitcher I needed to be. So how, so how would you describe yourself as a pitcher? Because I love the fact that on the mound you're legit a borderline psych, psychopath. Like I told my buddies you're coming on the show, and all of them are like, I love that dude. And these are just dudes that I mean, there's a couple guys in Canada. Like I live in Canada, obviously. And there's a couple guys who don't even watch that much about baseball, but they'll see on pitching ninja videos of you just looking like a, a, I'll say a psychopath on the mound. Yeah. When did you adjust to becoming a psychopath and how would you describe yourself on the mound if I'm a hitter facing you? Uh, for me, it's like once, once that velo came and then knowing that it wasn't just velo, but it was moving as well. I kind of, you know, like for me, it was just like, let's just throw strikes. You know, like I tell my catches every time I'm like, all right, let's, we're, we're just going to stay middle here. Right. Like it's, <laughs> Like it's here, like here it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, here's, I'm coming at you. Like, if you want to try to hit it, like, go for it. Like, I'm not going to nitpick trying to paint the black on either side or whatever. Like, I'm just going to throw the ball down the middle and, yeah, you know, you hit it, you hit it, you like tip your cap or whatever. But like, that, that's, I think, where like my successes came is just, just, just going for it. Like, not trying to be too fine or nitpicky or anything like that. Like, just let it eat. I love the fact that you let it eat because being a relief guy, you don't know how many innings you're going to go. So I respect the fact that you get in on the mound. You're doing this thing where you're kind of crouched over, looking at the guy through his soul, and then just throwing 101, just breaking the internet all over Twitter. Your name is probably trending in Colorado. When did you start doing that little lean over, like the lean, who does it? Craig Kimbrell kind of shit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? When, when did you start doing that? It Like, it's almost like it just kind of, like it's like developed into what it is but like i used to just be leaned over arm dangling straight down yeah and in high a i was closing a game out we were up by a run there's a runner on third with two outs and i have my arm dangling like that and i come up to come set and my arm hits my leg <laughs> i drop the baseball and balk and ever since then, I was like, all right, I'm not going to dangle my arm. So then I just kind of started holding it up. Like, I'm not I'm not ever going to balk because my arm hits my leg ever again. <laughs> and then, so I get out, like, I just kind of came set, like that lower Kimbrel thing. But then, um, the like that, like that wiggle, like, I didn't even, I didn't realize it was that drastic until I went back and watched. I was like, okay, this is kind of funny. But like, <laughs> kind of cool at the same time now. So now I kind of, it's like, all right, that's, 
you know, like that's the MO. Let's roll with it. I think it's like the greatest thing on planet earth because you're just embracing it. And I feel like when you're doing something like that, as you mentioned, it's so natural that you probably don't even realize like my arm is dangling and I look like a psychopath on the mouth. Do you see fear in these hitters eyes when you're on the bump that have never faced you before that have no idea, like one Oh one that's breaking is coming right at them. Um, I wouldn't say like, I, I see fear to hitters eyes, but like, I could tell by, you know, like the way they make it in the box or how much time they take to get in the box that like the thoughts there, you know, like the, there, there's, there's a little bit of, of uncomfortable, you know? And like, that's why for me, I don't try to be like, you know, too nitpicky or anything like that, because like, I've already know, like, I already know, like I'm one up, you know, the, the count, sure. the, the bat hasn't even started, you know? So like, let's just go ahead and, and roll with that and keep going, you know? No, it's like, who's one hitter you faced so far in your career where you're kind of had to step back and you're like, man, I can't believe I'm right here right now in the show facing this guy in the batter's box. Uh, I'll probably say, I, I, I would say I was a little, I was a little starstruck when uh, Longoria, Longoria got in yeah. there the other night at, at yeah. Coors and it was a, it was a tie game. So like, I, I'm like, all right, it's my third big league game. And I'm coming in a tie game and I, I strike belt out. And then I have, you know, I have a runner on second, one out, strike belt out. I'm like, all right, we're good. Like got belt out. Like I should be, should be chilling. And then I look up and like Longo's coming up to the plate. And I'm like, all right, it's, it's kind of cool. Dude, it is. But would you say, cause obviously there's this massive narrative, like, Oh, no pitchers don't want to play at Coors field. The ball travels there. But I think that was debunked this year with the great American ballpark, actually leading the league in home runs. Do you notice the ball travels a little bit more at Coors than when you're away or is it something that you just never really thought about? Uh, it's, it's been a small sample size for me. Like that was my first time ever being in Denver, those three games, but yeah. there's definitely a couple balls that were hit that you're like, I, you know, I, I kind of see that that altitude effect come into play. Uh, but, you know, like I also played in Lancaster and Albuquerque. Yeah. And I've never I've never seen balls leave the park the way they did in Albuquerque and Lancaster. Yeah, well, I just don't I – don't, I'm not a big fan of the whole narrative that the ball flies different there. And then you hear people talking about Trevor Story, like Trevor Story's only good at home. And this guy's a dog. What has your time been like with Trevor Story so far? I'm so impressed with what this guy has done so far this year. He's kind of taken the reins of, uh, of, uh, of Nolan Arenado leaving. He's just being like, I'm the big dog now. Yeah, no. Um, he's obviously definitely a guy you want, you know, in the infield when you're pitching. But, like, he's cool. You know what I mean? Like, he's a super chill guy, like, great teammate. He's, like, he's there. He's giving you everything he's got, you know, all the time. And you know that when you're on the mound. Like, you know you got a dog back there on the, on the field he's so good he's so f- yeah I, do you remember his debut like this guy I, did he have five home runs in five games or four home runs in four games something like that it was something it was. ridiculous i mean he, he he jumped onto the scene he's so good. who's one guy in that rockies system or that you play with in the rockies that you're the most surprised with or one guy that you think doesn't get talked about uh, enough is it rymac um yeah i mean he's i mean I, I, this year it's like, hey, if you're not, you're not, if you haven't been talking about him, like, go ahead and start talking because the guy's <laughs> the truth. He's legit. Like, if you guys want to play the whole course, this altitude, that, like, like throw that out the window. Like, this guy's legit. Yeah, 
No, I just... Rymac, I've I've always been amazed by him, but there's another guy I wanted to bring up. He's a friend of the show. I'm a massive fan of him. I always text him when he makes a nasty play. He actually said to me, he's like, when I see your name pop up on my phone, that means I did something nasty in the game. Josh Fuentes. I mean, what's 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 uh what's what do you see from Josh? I mean, this guy's so good at fielding. His swing mimics Nolan Arenado. He looks the exact same as him, and he I'll say it, he's uncomfortably good looking. He's a good looking dude, good for Josh. What's uh, what's your time been like with him? Because I know you mentioned before the interview you played low A with him, right? Yeah, uh, played a little low A before he got promoted. Played Triple A and the Fall League with him, and he's another guy like great teammate. Like when you you want to talk about like having camaraderie in a clubhouse or locker room or whatever, like it's went like he keeps everything loose. You know what I mean? Like he's chill, he's fun. Like the room's too quiet, he's gonna put some music on. Like. Like he's just, he's a super good dude and just is always happy, which is sometimes like you, you could be having like a bad day and you see Flint and just happy being Flint. And you're like, all right, I need to be, I need to be more like Flint. What's his playlist? Like what kind of tracks is he bumping? Is he an EDM guy, country rap? Well, what's going on in the Colorado Rockies locker room? He's, uh, I got, he's just kind of like that SoCal, that beachy music, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's Flint's music. But like he will, hop on the playlist and like if we need a banger like he's gonna throw on a banger what a guy what a yeah. he's a morale you know, guy yeah you know he's gonna pull through with the music for sure he's a morale guy that's why i mean that's why we get along we're just locker room guys like we, we keep the we keep the locker room loose that's why jay fuentes is an absolute beauty but i wanted to go back to that debut because obviously it was recent where where were you when you found out that you got the call to the show who was the first person you called and did you think it was a dream at first um i was on the taxi squad so we were it was like six guys that were already there you know the whole like just in case thing and uh i'm getting ready to go out to stretch this is like 20 minutes before stretch and the, the bullpen pitching goes like oh hey jayla we gotta gotta talk to you real quick and like stomach kind of dropped you know like and i was like i mean is is this about to happen you know what i mean like why else do yeah. like why else are we gonna go talk to buddy black right now you know and so I, i'm just walking out and stomach is just to the floor and you know i go in the office and they tell me like that i was gonna be up for the game tonight and they're like all right well hurry up and call some people like you know if you're late for stretch it's fine but in my head i'm like there's no chance i'm about to be late for my first stretch <laughs> so i uh i start calling i start calling my wife she's the first person i called and I'm just getting voicemail after voicemail after voicemail. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and finally, after nine, nine times I called her, she finally answered. She was getting ready for work. And I was like, all right, uh, you're not going to work. Because we had actually, we had just moved to Scottsdale before spring training. So like we're playing in Chase Field. It's like a 15 minute drive for her. So it worked out perfectly that she was able to be there. And then my parents... Uh, they, my parents and a couple of family members flew out the next day. Okay. So she was the only one there for the debut. And then the next day, my sister, mom, dad, and father-in-law were there. Was there waterworks? Like which one of your family members cried first when they saw that, that you were wearing that rock in that big league Jersey. Cause that, I mean, that's just elite over there. Yeah, that is 1000% my dad. Like he, <laughs> He's getting just thrown under the bus. I were walking out to the bullpen and like, I can hear him yelling, walking down the steps down to come down to the field. And like, you could tell he had either 
been crying all night or crying all day or something because he's already <laughs> all, like all puffed up in his eyes and then he saw me and like just lost it again that's electric man i gotta bring up you mentioned it, 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 keep going sorry go I'll, 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 I'll say it later because I, I this is like something completely different than the debut yeah just like and i knew it was gonna be him because i mean he's the one that good or bad outing like he's texting me after the game like always checking in always telling me like you know shake it off or whatever like it's gonna happen like he's just always been the guy that's like just in that constant communication with me about the game so he's a legend just a legend of the game is he rocking is he rocking that jersey of yours you rocking the j-law jersey or what yeah he did he had um he had my jersey from the fall league so he he wore that one Okay, and I, I wanted to, before we go into the fall league, I wanted to bring up your wife for a second. You guys had the most electric Halloween costume of all time. Uh, funny story, my brother actually wore that costume for Halloween in high school, but besides the fact, you guys were Fire and Ice from Blades of Glory, maybe one of the most funniest movies of all time. Will Ferrell's my guy, I love him. What was the thought process with that? Because it's just one of the funniest costumes. You can wear it every year for the rest of your life yeah. now, and it would just be funny yeah. every single time. Yeah, it was... Um... Her parents, uh, family, or friends, or neighborhood friends, they do a Halloween party every year, and they do a theme, like a, just a different theme each year. And and this one was just like like movie duos or something like that. And <laughs> I mean we I mean we struggled trying to find a costume. Like we didn't know what we wanted to do. We're like thinking like doing like the Sandlot, like all this stuff, like nothing. And then I came across a picture of the Fire and Ice, and I was like, bingo. and and we get to the we get to the halloween party like we walk in and it was almost like like music stopped everybody turns and looks and like you could just (laughs) tell like the costume was a hit did you win the con like was there a contest you guys won no they didn't do it they didn't do a contest but like just the whole time we were there was was people like just complimenting like saying how sick like we had the best one and all that stuff so yeah, so you're was, a Halloween guy. You got, I mean, so the thing is, I'll, I'll mention this. The one thing that sucks about having such a good costume one year at a party like that is you got to one-up yourself next year. Like, now you're fucked. Yeah. Because next year, you, yeah. like, they're expecting you and your wife to just be have a dynamite Halloween costume. So you got to, like, start brainstorming now. Yeah, exactly. It's a tough bounce. It's a really tough bounce. That's why I always just do the shittiest costumes of all time. I'll, I, just, I was I was <laughs> Jim Harbaugh once. I, I mean, that, that's what I do, but... Let's go into the Arizona Fall League, man. I mean, who are some guys you played with at the uh, Arizona Fall League that are just absolute superstars now in the big leagues? Uh, guys that I played against, I'll go there first. Uh, like Pete Alonzo. Obviously, oh he God. had the rookie year. He had Vlad Jr. Yes. He, I faced him a couple times. I'm like, you know, I came in my first game of the Fall League, got two outs on four pitches, then like a broken bat single and a walk. I'm like, all right, whatever, like two outs. You know, I look up and like Vlad Jr. is coming to the plate. I'm like, <laughs> maybe, maybe we're not out the we're not out the mud yet. Um, those guys, and then right, um, Jazz Chisholm was on my, my team. Yeah, that kid's that kid's electric. I mean, again, same thing. Like you're seeing what he's doing. You know, right now in the big leagues, everybody loves the way he plays. Like, and that's how he played all the time. I kind of played against him coming up a little bit, so being able to have him on my team was cool. Uh, 
just I mean, he's just an electric player. I mean, he's exactly what you want when you think of a baseball player. That's actually crazy you mentioned him because humble brag, he actually liked one of our Instagram pictures today. Whatever, is that good? I mean, that <laughs> and I DM'd him and I was like, care to come on the podcast and discuss? Because this guy, you want to talk about faces of baseball or just young guys that are gonna be superstars for till I'm like 40 years old. That's the dude. Was he one guy? Okay, who was one guy in the Arizona Fall League you saw live and you're like this guy is going to be a superstar for like 20 to 25 years. And I mean, it was just even just like, just that folly alone. It's, it's so tough to make that decision because of like the, like the amount of talent, you know what I mean? Um, like I, I would have to say like probably jazz is that guy that was, that was on our squad. Like He's so good. Yeah. Even before, you know, he debuted last year and all that stuff. Like, you just know, like, regardless of whatever the numbers could been, could have been or were or whatever, like, you're just kind of like, that guy's, guy's going to be good for, like, sure. for a long time. Yeah. He's, I don't know, man. I, like, and what, how, what is Vladdy lifetime against you? Did he, did he get a hit off you in the AFL or what? Uh, One for two. He got a hit that first at bat. And then I faced him a second time and I got him to roll over to shortstop. So all right. one for two. That'll play. That'll yeah. play. So who what's one stadium you're kind of looking forward to visiting here uh in your uh, big league career? Because uh, I, I, I know because you're right now one of the best, in my opinion. I love I, I you're playing in St. Louis, obviously, right now, but uh, this drops next Thursday. But what's one stadium you're like really looking forward to seeing? Uh definitely playing at Truist Park, the Braves. Yeah. Just because that's my mom is a diehard Braves fan. Oh, like I'm talking like she like records the games and then starts them at like 11 o'clock at night. She's a night owl and watches <laughs> them from like 11 to like two in the morning. So seeing like I can't I can't even like fathom like me running out onto the field to go play against the Braves like you're going to need like a helicopter on standby or something to take her to the hospital. You think part of her is going to be like, all right, like this is my son, but I mean, I've been a Braves fan for like what, like my whole life. So there's a little part of me that's kind of hoping maybe like one <laughs> hit squeaks past here and there because I show she's a diehard. Like she, is she just raw? Does she have like all the jerseys and shit too? No, she's just, I mean, she, ha- she hasn't missed a game. And I don't even know how long, <laughs> like she'll, well, you know, because like I said, she watches the games at night. And if we're out doing something, we go to like a restaurant or something. She's like, excuse me, like, can you change that channel? Like, I don't want to see the scores at the bottom of the TV. Like, she, <laughs> she doesn't want to hear nothing. When um, that game, that that playoff game that they lost, I think they gave up like 10 runs in the first inning or something. Like, my mom, like, all day is excited. Like, all right, playoff baseball. Like, I'm excited. Uh-oh. I can't wait. <laughs> Not going to talk to nobody. They went to a some, like, work thing with my dad. Some guy sees her and like instantly was like, "Oh man, how about those ten runs in the first oh, inning?" Oh god! <laughs> My mom was so mad because she had been waiting like <laughs> all day for this playoff game, all this stuff, and just gets the bomb dropped on her. That breaks my heart. That breaks my. Heart. You just hate to see that, but I and this is something I want to bring up because obviously, like I said, you're a pitching ninja meme. Like every time you pitch, it's all over the internet, and I love it. Uh, when you throw a pitch, like this is just my dumb brain thinking about this. this is a dumb brain question for me. When you throw a pitch in your mind, when that ball releases from your hand, are you like, I am going to be all over the internet with this pitch? Like, do you just know it's like this pitch is disgusting? No. Oh, um, it was, it's, 
I mean, I kind of just, I, I throw it like, I know it's going to be hard. Like, I know it's going to have some movement to it. Not that like, I'm not saying I'm used to it because like I said, like throwing as hard as I have been like that consistently these past few appearances is like, all right. And then didn't know I had that in the tank like that. Like, you know, like I've touched Hunter plenty of times and all that. I've hit a one-on-one a few times, but like, like to just sit, you know, hundred the whole inning, like that's like, okay, this is, this is kind of fun to do. You are, you, are you looking back at like the radar going to be like, wait, that's triple digits. I'm firing right here. Do you catch yourself radar watching a little bit? Uh, yeah. Every single pitch. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm not, 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 not even going to lie. Like I'm going to, I like throw and like, and like look back and immediate. Yeah. That's electric. I respect the hell of that because I would do the same thing if I threw that hard. But you, with all this new fame you've been getting and stuff like that, what has your Instagram been like, especially with Rockies fans? Because I, uh, I'm pretty close with one of the blog with actually the guy that runs the the webpage Rocks Pile. I don't know if you, I don't know if you, if you know yeah, that, that yeah, well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he he he's, he oh, he had nothing but good things to say about you before this interview. So what's it been like, man? Because you just kind of came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden now, I believe you won Pitching Ninja Pitch of the Week. Or like whatever, yeah, something along yeah. those lines. So, what's it yeah. been like? Uh, just a, a lot of uh, just a lot of DMs. Obviously, like a ton of followers, but um, a lot of sidearm guys asking like, "Hey, how do I throw harder?" You know, like I'm a sidearm guy, just like you. Like, how do I throw harder? And it's just a kind of a tough question for me to answer because I'm just like, I mean, like just get stronger. Like that's that's what it was for me. Like, I don't have a specific answer. You know, but like guys will hit me up and they say they're a side armor, but like Gibbons, he made it, he, he put it perfectly in spring training. He's like, you and I like, yeah, we throw to the side, but like, we're not side armors. He, no. he said we're slingers. Like we sling the ball. Yeah. Right? It's not like that Tyler Rogers type delivery. Like, yes, it's out to the side, but it's, you know, it's firm. Like, and that was like kind of the best way I've ever heard anybody put like the way that we throw. Why don't you have Twitter? Am I wrong on that? You don't have Twitter? No. Um, Do you have a burner? I got rid of it. I got rid of it, like, my freshman year of college or something. I was just kind of, like, uh, kind of off of it, you know? And then then I thought about getting another one, but that's when the whole, like, you start. that's when people started just digging on everybody's profiles, like, looking to burn them yeah. kind of thing. And I was just like, all right, well, never mind. You can just use my now. account. I said this to yeah. Josh because Josh doesn't Josh doesn't have uh, Twitter or Instagram, which is just bananas to me. Well, he kind of has an Instagram, but it, but anyways, he doesn't have Twitter. And I, like I say this to you too: you want the password, I'll give you free reign, whatever you want. If you like, if you want to see what the people are saying about you on Twitter, unless your wife has it, but I, I'll, I'll be your burner account. Like, let's just settle this now. I'm your burner account. <laughs> All right, cool. I got I you. Know. Man. I mean, if I I keep you know keep doing what I'm doing, maybe I'll have to. You know, I'll have to pick one up and oh my, you better I mean you better put your phone on silent. If you if you start Twitter <laughs> and said pitching ninja or someone catches a hold of the fact that you have Twitter, it is you're gonna be flooded. So I would just turn the phone on silent, especially after one of those appearances, because your videos on Twitter and it's just like the overlays. Do you sometimes look at your overlays and like, man, how the fuck did I do that? Like, do you ever watch the overlays? I don't know, not the overlays, but I saw uh I'd have like a great outing, my third outing, but I saw that they they tweeted out the two sliders that I threw the belt and I kind of caught me a little, a little off guard. I was like, huh. 
it's kind of it's kind of gross <laughs> you know, like, i was like those, those are two pretty cool pitches right there no it it, it is I, it just it's crazy to me because i especially when i used to play i would look at videos of myself and be like i don't even remember doing this do you sometimes like just black out on the bump and you're like i don't even remember throwing that specific pitch yeah yeah no there's definitely times where i'll like i'll go back and watch my outing or even just like in the dugout after my debut when i was in the dugout like kind of looking out at the stadium i'm like dang it's like i wasn't like like shaking or trembling or nothing i was just like dang i don't i don't really remember like how that outing just went <laughs> like if i had like if i had to walk you through it like i couldn't tell you what pitch i threw at what point like it was just like a blur that's incredible. That's incredible, man. So a couple more things here. I mean, this this one thing I wanted to mention is, are you a fan of those old Rockies jerseys that had no sleeves that were the vests? Are you a big advocate for those? Um, I, I don't not like them. Obviously, I'd rather wear like a, a jersey with a sleeve because yeah. I'm like very standard, not that appealing, like body type. So like, <laughs> I'm not like showing off like these guns or anything in this sleeve. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, let's just throw the sleeves on there. True point. I, I, it's, hey. I'll, I'll wear it because it's obviously what the uniform is, but like, I don't have anything to show off because sure. of a sleeveless jersey. That makes sense. I mean, that, that that makes sense. But you, your stuff is like closer worthy and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever kind of thought about just the, the idea of you being that guy, like that closing pitcher for the Colorado Rockies coming out of the bullpen at Coors Field and the beautiful sunset, all that kind of stuff? Have you ever like envisioned that? You know, I was I was a closer for a couple seasons coming up, and I, you, you kind of see the the online stuff, the, the comps or whatever. But like, I would like I would love that role. Like, I feel like you know, obviously, it's a tight one set. It's a it's a it's a tough role, but like, I would love that role. Like I, like I said, like the adrenaline of like my debut probably like times like five knowing that I gotta go <laughs> like knowing that like all right it's you gotta get these guys out and like that's really your only option yeah you want to break the internet too I mean I got a couple suggestions for you if you're ever a closer is one just somehow some way make sure the camera's on you when you're about to come onto the mound to finish the game just rip a smelling salt like just so people are like okay this dude is a psychopath he's about to come in the game throw 101 he's rubbing smelling salts that's how you break the internet. And the other one yeah. is, it's not really a suggestion. It's more of a question. What's going to be that walkout song for you? Like, what what are you bumping on the speakers when you come out of that bullpen? See, that one, that's one I've been, I've been trying to figure out. Because, like, I feel like something that would get me going is, like, if I had a walkout that, like, got the crowd going. Yeah. Like, if that crowd gets fired up, I'm like, all right, it, it's, it's, it's game over. Like, I, everybody's, I, everybody's yeah. locked in, like you know, hear the song and they're like, oh, we know who's coming. You know what I mean? Like, like Mariano Rivera, like you hear it enter the Sandman start playing and that place goes bonkers. I'm getting chills even thinking about that. Like just, yeah, you so legit like, just gave me chills even saying that. That's so if I can find a song like that, that like just gets the crowd going, that, that it's a wrap. And I, I honestly, a couple like I would recommend the song, the stroke. Do you know that song? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, you want to get the cloud, like, just clapping when you're coming out of the pen where it's like, everybody, I say, I always mention that. That's always my request, but no one follows it. You want to get the crowd going. You put on the stroke. The cl- the crowd is chanting, and they're clapping, and you're on the mound. What more could you ask for? Yeah, that, that I mean, between that and and the smelling sauce, I don't, I don't 
it. We need anything else. You might be the most electric guy of all time. Okay, so this is the last thing I want, or second last thing, sorry. I wanted to bring up, going into this year, obviously, you're, you're, you're a big league guy now. You're traveling with the team. You're in St. Louis. Do you have any, like, certain goals that you're trying to reach uh, stats-wise, or is it just like, I want to go on the mound every single day, compete, and if my stats are good, my stats are good? Yeah, no, like, I'm not – I'm not super concerned about the stats. Like for me right now in my position, it's like, like, let's, let's help the team win. You know what I mean? Let's, whether I'm coming in in a, you know, 10, two game or a two to two game, both of those happen within, you know, two outings of itself. Like I debuted, I debuted, we were down two runs. My second game, we were up nine runs and my third game was a two, two game. So like, just having like if they can trust me to come in at any point in time in the game and know that like I'm gonna get the job done, that's what I want to be able to do. Yeah. You know, high the leverage. Season. You're a high leverage. Like you're yeah. trying if to. It, yeah, if it transitions into, you know, a seventh, eighth, eighth inning guy, yeah, of course. Like I'm gonna take that position to run with it. But like right now, if it's go out there when we need an inning, like I like I'm the guy. You know, like I'll give it to you. Okay. You're yeah. That's, that's a great answer there. You're just, you're making me want to run through a brick wall, plain and simple. That's why I'm a big <laughs> Justin Lawrence guy now. But the last thing I want to bring up is, can you, can we get this on the record? Can we say this is the most electric baseball podcast you've ever been on or just one of them? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I not, appreciate not cause that. Cause it's not cause it's the only one I've ever been on. But wow. It is. And, and just don't, don't, don't forget me when you're that closing pitcher for the Rockies, you have 25,000 followers on Insta and you're just buzzing. You're just the big guy on campus, but Credit to us, actually. Am I just the best scout of all time for being the first podcast to request hey. you to come on? Yeah, you were. So, hey, maybe we'll we'll do another one, and we're kind of looking back on this one, kind of. And we're if, like, damn. If, yeah, now yeah, you're seeing if my answers change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be sick. That's electric, man. But I just wanted to wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year. I'll be dialed in. I, like I said to, like I say to Josh Fuentes, every time he does something good, you're getting a text from me. But I'm excited to see what you do. I can't wait to see all these pitching ninja overlays of you just throwing 101. Let's let's hit 102. Fuck it. Let, let, let's let's try it. to get 102. But anyways, man, I'm fired up to see what you do this year. I'm a big Justin Lawrence guy from here on out. Anyone comes at you on Twitter, I'm your burner account. I'm roasting them for you. I got you for life now. So, let's like go. I said, big Justin Lawrence guy forever, man. Thank you so much for doing this, bro. I really appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you.